Are you looking to pursue excellence and take your success to the next level? You're in the right place. Welcome to Excellence Mindset with your host, Ryan James Miller. All right. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast. Uh, I'm looking forward to a conversation today, both for some selfish reasons, because I know that I'm going to learn a whole bat, a whole lot about what we're doing right now. So this is going to be really cool. But also because um, uh, one of the topics that I talk a lot about uh, when I coach, but also as I share my own personal experience is around failure, the struggles there, the obstacles, and really overcoming a lot of those things. And so my guest that I get the opportunity to share that with today is Matt Johnson. So Matt, thank you so much and welcome to the Excellence Mindset Podcast. Ryan, thanks for having me. I'm really excited for the conversation. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, awesome, man. So uh, I alluded to the fact that, uh, that you are a podcasting pro, but if I was to ask you who you are and what you do, what would you typically tell me or tell somebody else on the street as you bump them? Yeah, so I am a, uh, like a lot of entrepreneurs, kind of backed into it. Uh, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a serial entrepreneur at all. Uh, I started off in podcasting and got pulled into basically starting a podcast production agency. So I run a marketing agency, but all we do is we do one thing and that's one packaged podcast production service for business influencers like coaches, consultants, and other agency owners. Uh, and then I host a show called The UX Podcast where I get to talk to all those fun people like that. Uh, and then I still have my original podcast, Real Estate Uncensored, in that space, which is kind of what kicked off everything and exposed me to this really interesting world um, where I, where I kind of dawned on me that podcasting has really become the new networking. And all of my, I would say, clients, all of my friends, some of the people that I would consider my best friends in the world, I may not have even spent time with in person. We've only been on podcasts and then led to things like what we're doing, like Zoom video conferences and things. Yeah, um, yeah so it's, it's a really interesting time that we're living in. And it's very, uh, it's a privilege to be a part of it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, um, you know, it has become the hot topic of everybody's conversation. It's the medium that people are, are regularly diving into and digging into and consuming. But on the flip side, because we see so many people consuming uh, audio content, it seems that there is this race for people to want to jump into the podcasting world. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I, I know for me, um, I am a coaching consultant and I, I, I love talking to people and I thought, Hey, I'd love to put a podcast together. And man, I had no idea what I was stepping into. And it's, it's really easy to produce crap really quickly, <laughs> but, right? But it's, it's hard to produce good content and, and to make it, um, I don't want to say monetize it, but to make it worth it to some degree. And obviously yeah. that's different for everybody. So maybe that's a good question for me to ask you is, so as, as you approach this idea of uh, production for other people, and maybe it started with, you know, you doing it for yourself, yeah. what are some of the key indicators that you look for uh, in terms of uh, the types of podcasts that, that you really want to work with people on or uh, the, the types of results they're looking to produce? I mean, what are some of those things and why are those important for people? Yeah. Well, at, at, a, at a general level, when you talk about using a podcast and it being kind of worth it or, or monetizing it, so to speak, a lot of people do think in terms of, okay, well, how big of an audience do I have to build to get sponsors that'll make this worth it? And if, if you're in the audience and you are 
let's say you want to build a lifestyle and culture or a comedy podcast, that's exactly how you have to think about it. There are no other options. But if you're, if you're more likely you are a coach, a consultant, uh, a, you sell creative services, uh, you're a small business entrepreneur, that type of thing, you have something concrete to sell. And to me, the best and most direct path to using a podcast to actually get business is to create demand for what you do. And there's a, sp a very specific way you can use podcasting to do that. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of folks out there think that just podcasting is the answer. And it's not. It pod the podcasting has to follow kind of a, a certain formula and, and certain things have to be communicated in the podcast in order to have the result that you want, which is creating demand uh, for what you do. Uh, and I figured out this out all the hard way, essentially, by working with a mix of people. Uh, some had very concrete high dollar services to sell. Some had low dollar certain, you know, things like courses or books to sell. And then other people had something that was way down the road, like they were recruiting for their company, for example, like something that's a really long kind of lead time. And it takes you a long time to really see the benefit. And, and I've helped people build successful podcasts in all of those spaces. What I found is that in order to feel like it's worth it, the fastest, most direct path is to make sure that you have something where somebody can hear you. They can build trust with you, enjoy you, you know, build a connection, turn around and write you a check right then for at least the amount of what it costs you to do the podcast on a monthly basis. That's the ideal scenario. So for example, if you want to engage with an agency like ours and you're going to pay two grand a month to have your podcast produced for you, I want to see clients that have something like a high dollar coaching package or an event where people can immediately cut them a check for two or three grand and bam, the podcast is worth it. Anything other than that, you just have to, you really have to have patience to hang in there long enough to see the results and add everything up to make sure that you feel like it's worth it as a podcast host. Yeah. So that, that I, that's, I love that you lay it out so clearly for people. And I think that's been, I, I want to say maybe part of the struggle for me only in the sense of, and I've, I've heard this before, but so my favorite podcast uh, is definitely uh, Joe Rogan's. Um, he, to me, um, I don't, I don't agree with everything that he says or believes or does. And yet uh, I actually uh, jumped uh, off of the podcast. I was listening to record this with you and uh, he's in dialogue right now with uh, Jack Dorsey for the second time, along with Tim Poole. And uh, I can't remember uh, Twitter's head of compliance and, you know, they're talking about censorship. What I love about that is how dynamic his conversations are, right? I mean, he's really digging in. And so I love that. And so for me, those are the types of conversations I want to have when I'm having pod, when, I, when I'm having conversations recording podcasts. The problem with that is I can't monetize that. And it's right. okay with me to some degree because like this, this for me is more about um, uh, enjoying myself, getting to know people, building relationships, having those conversations. I'm learning a lot in the process. But at some point, it begins to be a drain, right? Because I mean, without even working with an agency like yours, realistically, it costs me four to $500 a month to just self-produce a podcast with a few resources that I'm using. Like, mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't do that for a long period of time until all of a sudden you're like, dude, what the hell am I doing with myself, right? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, Having and, been in that situation, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, because I was, I was doing it. Then I trained like a VA how to do certain things. And then, yeah, just that's where the team came from. Because I was in that yeah. same position where you start to realize your time isn't, is like, it's just more valuable than doing the, the behind the scenes work. And so you start hiring out like one person and then, then the next thing you know, you have a team of five different specialists doing their, their 
each little different section of the production process. That that's how it, it started for me. Um, and, and I think it's a really good realization to have, which is that as a as a coach, as a consultant, like the type of position that you're in, your your time has a massive value. And I don't just mean like your like yeah, as if you actually had eight hours of the day of useful, high energy, high mental and emotional bandwidth time to give, which of course we don't. <laughs> I, I think as an entrepreneur, I've learned uh, that I maybe have five to six of those hours in the day yeah. spread out over the course of the day. And that's on a good day. Yeah, seriously. You know? Yeah. So if you suck that up doing things like trying to produce your own audio, um, to me, you end up shooting yourself in the foot because you could be using that time to do things like, let's say, getting featured as a guest on other podcasts, like what I'm doing here, uh, which is how we met. Uh, it's, it's my number one strategy for all of my clients when they ask, well, how do you grow a podcast. Well, go where podcast listeners are already at, find other audiences that don't know you and just get on their podcasts and get exposed to who they are. Yep. Um, and so your time is a lot better spent doing things like that than on doing the back end production. But yeah, if you don't see that return where somebody's writing you a check saying, Hey, I, I listened to your podcast. I loved that episode. You know, I, I love that episode on failure that you did. And I want to dive into that more with you to look at you potentially coaching me. Yep. You know, because I have some failures in my life that I want to deal with. Yeah, like if you don't, if you're not seeing and hearing that consistently, um, it's going to be hard to feel like that. Uh, so one of the things we talk about, like in our our weekly uh, formula, which if you, I think by the time this comes out, these episodes will be out on my podcast. But go over to the UX podcast on iTunes or whatever, uh, and look up the weekly formula where I kind of lay out uh, how to actually do this. And so we tell people, look, no more than two interviews a month. You have to at least have one, maybe even two solo episodes where it's you speaking directly to the audience, delivering your message and, and conveying a clear and compelling idea. That's how you create demand. And then you back that up with like the occasional case study or an interview with a successful client who's implemented what you taught them and kind of, you know, reinforce all those good beliefs about you and your coaching, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, to me, that is the formula. And you can check out those episodes where I go super, super deep on why that works. But that to me, that's kind of, that's what we found just works the best through four years of tinkering. So, so four years, so think mm -hmm. back and I'm sure you get asked this question all the time, but like, what were some of the big mistakes you made early on that you steer people away from right away? Or what, what were even maybe some of the mistakes that you made that you felt were necessary to get you to the next place? Ooh, well, there was, okay. Uh, this is, that's a very, very good question because they were necessary mistakes. Uh, the first mistake I made was uh, not value myself enough and, and charging too little and then base mm -hmm. building the service that I felt like would sell at that price point, which it turns out just wasn't as effective as the clients needed. So yeah. I had to build the, I build, I had to build the service that I felt was the most effective, then figure out how much that cost. And yeah. I did it the wrong way around. So that was number one. Uh, and then number two was, and we talked about this before we hit record, I would say my biggest failure as an entrepreneur was I spent just because I got enthusiastic and I'm a, I'm a visionary person uh, and I built all these amazing relationships through podcasting is that I got pitched on business opportunities. Like, Hey, I want to start this membership site and Hey, what about this course that we could create together? And Hey, what about taking your podcast production service into the financial services industry? I said yes to all of it. <laughs> <laughs> all opportunities to make money, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I essentially hung out a sign that said yes, which is, yeah, that's, that's not a good sign to hang. Uh, so at one point I looked up and realized I was basically in four startup businesses. I had like an equity stake in all four of them. Uh, of course, one of them was my own business. And I just, I, I, I looked at, I looked at the meetings that I was having 
where I was coming away with a to-do list of stuff that I had to do and going, I don't want to do any of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's a really sinking, it's a sucky feeling to have. It, it really is not fun. Uh, what was even less fun was having to then extricate myself from those commitments that I had made and back out and, and just put the blinders on and get focused on the agency, uh, which of course is where all the growth is, right? And, and that's, yeah. it's always a fun conversation to talk about focus, but yeah, my biggest mistake as an entrepreneur so far, and I'm sure there'll be many more to come, but so far my, my biggest mistake was just lack of focus. Okay, so I know, I'm pretty sure that you and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and we were talking kind of about a little bit about your journey and I'm pretty sure you said you work with a coach. So maybe yeah. this is part of, this is going to be part of the answer, but so how do you prevent yourself now from saying no to things that feel really good, that look really good, that will probably actually make you money at this point because you've gotten better at being able to determine those, but mm -hmm. how do you say no to good things in order to keep your eye and focus on the main thing? Well, so I think the number one thing is really coming to terms with the fact that as entrepreneurs, we bite off more than we can chew, especially in the short term. Mm -hmm. and, and we're always looking for that way to do both. And I came to the conclusion, especially at the first of this year, 2019, that I wasn't going to do that. I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let go of the fantasy that I can do both. Because it really is a fantasy. Yep. So I'm going to let go of the fantasy that if I just move forward on two or three different fronts, I might accomplish all three of them. Like that, that never happens. So let go of the fantasy and, and really just put your head down and focus on what is the single most important project in the business right now. And if it doesn't fit into that, it doesn't get a yes. It gets, mm -hmm. a, it gets a no for now. Not, not a no forever, but at least a no for now. And that's really freed me up. So like the first, you know, basically I mapped out the first six months of this year going, okay, here's all the things that I would probably have just tried to move forward all on at the same time. And I built like just a rough sequential order. Okay. What's the most important thing right now? Now, assuming I get that built successfully, what is then the next thing after that? And I'm not allowing myself to start on that until I get the first thing done first. Right. And then I brought on new staff to help with that. I hired like an operations guru to kind of get, help us streamline some things in the operations because that was, I wanted to, you know, tweak and improve that because we grew and that added more staff and then that adds more friction and complexity and all this stuff. Because so I, I realized, okay, on the operations side, that's my one, like my, that's my one thing. Mm -hmm. Then I also have on the kind of the marketing and business development side, what's my one project that I'm working on. That's where I spend most of my time. So right now that's the content for the book right? Because the book is the most important thing that will drive demand six months from now and six years from now. Like I'll be able to ride that one single book for who knows how long. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the single most important project in on the marketing and business development side. Once I did that, it gave me a really great sense of peace mm -hmm. uh, and focus. And then it allowed me to authentically say no to anything else that came up with full security that I was doing the right thing. And that to me, that's the only way to really sleep at night and say no to a lot of awesome opportunities is you have to know what I said yes to already is the most important thing in the business right now. So then back to your own business, because we, we started off talking about the fact that, you know, I, I don't know, I don't want to say everybody, but a lot of people want to be a podcaster right now. It's like the cool thing to do. So how many people, like what kind of percentage would you say of people are you telling no to right now? No, don't do that yet because you're not ready in your business? Or do you just say no, like as soon as you can start a podcast, you should? Uh, no, it's definitely not that you should start a podcast as soon as you should. I always recommend people be a guest first 
And, and so I, like, I have a course for that to help them get started and have, have like an assistant pitching them like mm-hmm. outgoing so that they're not having to do all that themselves. So they can, you know, s- still keep the focus on the business where it needs to be. But yeah, that's where I actually recommend that people start because until they see the power of podcasting from the inside of it as a guest, they're really not going to understand how to even be a good host. Mm-hmm. So always go out and be featured first. If you've done that, which a lot of the people coming to me and talking to me about podcasting, they're coming to me because they have been a guest. They're already doing that. Uh, If they're already doing that, then I would say, okay, great. Now it's time to look at starting a podcast. But I would say the main condition for me, whether I end up producing their podcast or not, but just, just what's best for them is do they really understand who their ideal client is and do they have a clear and compelling idea that they want to communicate to the podcast that makes that ideal client sit up and pay attention and go, ooh, I want, to, I want to know more. I've got to know more about that. Um, a great example of that is <clears throat> uh, I took on a client here a few months ago. Uh, he had kind of a podcasty idea that he had launched the, the year before. They put out a grand total of two episodes and then it sat for like eight months. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so, pretty so typical. Yeah, exactly. So it came to us and we like relaunched it, rebranded it and kind of made it a real thing. And so we were talking here a few weeks back and he said, look, like half of the people I have on my podcast are turning into legitimate sales opportunities. And I said, okay, well, what, tell me, tell him, tell me more. He said, well, what's happening is when I have a conversation with them behind the scenes about why, what I do and why I started the podcast and the message that I want to convey through the podcast, which is really what his service is, by the way, what he says, when I have that conversation, I just mentioned the one or two sentences about that. The universal reaction from those people is holy cow. Okay. We have to have a conversation after the podcast. Hmm. And the thing is, is like, and, that, and that's exactly what happened to me, right? I would book people on podcasts or I'd book them on my show or somebody else's show, whatever. I would just have a conversation with them about podcasting. They'd ask what I do and I would tell them, oh, we, you know, we have a turnkey podcast production service for, you know, coaches and consultants where we book the guests and take care of all the stuff. And of course, that was the same reaction. Like, oh my God, we have to talk about this after the pod. Okay, well, let's put a pin in that. We are coming back to that. We yeah. have to have that conversation. So I've noticed that same thing for myself. And the biggest trap of getting into podcasting and having it not work is that you don't have that together first. Hmm. The clear and compelling idea that makes somebody sit up and go, okay, we got to talk about that later. Okay. So clear and compelling idea. So that, that's really good. So it, I would say that on one hand, it's really hard to break through the noise, right? There is mm-hmm. a ton of noise uh, a lot of really, really good stuff, and then a lot of garbage out there um, in the podcasting world in general, or I mean specifically, but then as we kind of like broaden out to YouTube and just social, and there's content everywhere. So is it is it really about like the more you know your ideal client, which in one sense is like marketing 101, is it really about like that, like it, it, you just sell yourself out on your ideal client and that's, what's going to get you to break through the noise. Or, um, is it a combination of that and working with an agency like yours to, for, for you to help professionally do something that I just can't do myself. Right. I mean, I kind of feel like, and and I always hate saying this out loud or when it's being going to be recorded forever, but I don't do a great job of marketing myself all the time. Like I can sell the living hell out of myself, but like that marketing, that pushing content out in such a way that wants to draw people in that that's not so much me. So is that where the benefit really comes in is like, yes, ideal client, but really like you got to get with somebody that knows how to do it really well. Well, it helps. And in any time you're way, in a you place, can just, you can just say, yes, it's all us pay me. 
Uh, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I very much appreciate that. But, but no, and I'll tell you why. So, so as technology gets easier, the, the gap in execution is going to close. In other words, we, we already see it with websites and blogs. Every coach, every consultant, every expert has a website. They all, you, can, you can build a really good looking one in not that much time. Podcasting will eventually get there. Now, it's not there now. That's why my production agency exists. But let's say, let's say the technology improved drastically so that it was super, super easy to put out a podcast and you didn't need an agency like mine anymore. And this is why where I'm shifting my agency, right? Because what really determines whether a podcast is effective is whether it communicates the right clear and compelling idea to the right person. And that's what we've gotten, you know, like we're good at producing podcasts and we're great at the consistency of content and all that good stuff. But to me, that's the, that's what I would call the Gary Vaynerchuk strategy. That is taking an idea that isn't all that revolutionary, but putting it out into the world consistently and in high volume. Yeah. I love the Simon Singh strategy. And I did a whole podcast episode about the difference between those two strategies. Oh, because to me, the Simon Sinek strategy is the opposite. It's Simon Sinek is not everywhere on social media because he doesn't have to be because his ideas are. He has, he has such clear, compelling, interesting ideas that we all talk about yeah. where he doesn't have to be on Snapchat every day. Yeah. I don't even know if Simon Sinek know. Uh, he could not know what Snapchat is, and I wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> right. He may not know or care. Uh, and I love that, right? And because yep. to me, I, I love the battle of ideas. And so, where where real where we are getting better as an agency, and where anyone who's listening can get the most benefit from that, this conversation, is to think deeply about what message are you communicating, not just how professionally is the message communicated, because mm-hmm. that can make a difference in the short term. If there's a if there's if you're in a market where you know there's not a lot of podcasting, it's not very big. You know what I'm saying? Like there, like if you go into that space and you put a podcast out, even if you don't have something super interesting to say, you'll build an audience, mm-hmm. but it won't last. Yeah. What'll last is whether you have a clear and compelling idea to share. And if you're already in a crowded market where there's already a bunch of podcasts, which you and I both are, um, man, the clear and compelling idea is everything because everybody's execution is already decent and getting better. Right. So it's, it's the quality of the idea that we share that really separates us. And so is that, is that then one reason why you feel like it's important to continue to be a guest on other people's podcasts? Because that's where you're able to communicate your idea a lot more directly. And then also having your own solo episodes because you get to do that. Because when you and I are having a conversation as a guest, you know, when you're my guest, I'm not doing a ton of selling of myself, even though people may hear how I navigate conversation and how I can lead and direct people, but it's not as much. And so is that why that is so important to continue to do those things? hundred percent. Yeah. So, so like if, uh, if you were talking about how to get the most value out of this conversation for you as the podcast host, um, you would have to like, it's a, it's a skill that you develop over time to be able to interject your point of view into the conversation in a really natural, authentic way when you're having a conversation with a guest. It's not easy, um, but it's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. Like no one hires Barbara Walters for business coaching. Right. Right. We don't care. We like, she's a great interviewer. Yep. Now we, we, we go to her for the focus that she has on guests and getting them to say things that we don't expect. And that's a high level skill set that's made her a lot of money, but it doesn't create demand for more Barbara Walters. It creates more demand for interesting interviews with the people that she has on the show. Yep. Uh, and that's been that way for a long time. So that, that is a trap that if you're a podcast host, um, and it, believe me, it's easy for me to fall into uh, a quick example is that I almost launched a podcast where I shared 
my favorite bits from marketing books. Mm. Right? I love marketing. Great. Let's let's talk about every marketing book and let's pull out the parts that I like. And somebody just asked, how does that build your expertise? I'm like, great point. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so, I mean, it's super easy. Like we get enamored with a podcast idea because it's something we think would be fun to do and we don't think much about what it communicates. So, yeah, going on other people's podcasts, uh, not only does it allow it to communicate like our clear and compelling idea, it also helps us sharpen and refine it because we start to see what resonates with yep. other people, you know? Yep. Okay. So, uh, do number of follow or do number of listeners matter or you're like, no, all I really care about for my clients is whether they convert listeners into, into paying clients. Uh, well, yes and yes. I mean, numbers always matter to a certain extent, but the dirty secret is, well, there's two dirty little secrets. Number one is that half, there's half a million podcasts on iTunes roughly right now. Half of those, so 250,000 or so are like six months old or less. So the podcast market has exploded. What that does is that fragment. And and by the way, the podcast audience, the people who listen to podcasts has not doubled. You know what I'm saying? Like it's growing, but it hasn't doubled. So what that means is that the podcast audience is getting more fragmented and they have more options. So right now, the average episode gets something like 200 downloads, right? If you're beating that, especially if you're in a really nice, tightly defined business niche, be super happy. You don't need any more than that. Now, my clients will get, you know, 500, 1,000, 1,500 downloads per episode, some even four and 5,000 downloads per episode if it becomes a hot topic or something like that. But they don't, a great example is one of my clients has built two different six-figure income streams off his podcast and no episode that I know of has gotten over like 2,000 downloads per episode. Wow. Because he went, I helped him take his podcast, figure out what his clear and compelling idea was and we went right for the cream of the crop of the market. The yep. people that had, the people that were the smartest, the most patient and had the most money and we created something that really spoke to them we created exactly the content they were looking for that didn't exist in the podcast market yet. And bam, the show was immediately successful, immediately started creating demand. He had people listen to the podcast, go to a website, sign up, pay $3,000, get on a plane and show up at his office in Omaha, Nebraska, and they never talked to a soul. Wow. They didn't talk to his staff. They didn't talk. Nobody had to harangue him for, for a credit card number. They didn't talk to a sales rep. Nothing. Wow. He, would just, he would just roll into the office on a Monday for his event and people would walk in the door and go, hey, I listened to your podcast and signed up. I, I'm, I'm ready here. I'm here for the mastermind. <laughs> it was insane. Wow. Uh, and and that's, that was one of the light bulb moments for, year, for me years ago where I'm like, okay, that, that to me is a clue. That is the formula. If you really want to build a successful podcast that's profitable and sustainable and enjoyable and all that good stuff, um, that, that to me is the goal. Yeah. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. So, um, particularly as it relates to like business podcasts being in that lane, how much do you, do you coach people around content that they're sharing? Um, and so, okay. So yes, you, you shook your head, uh, mm-hmm. but he, yeah, he said, sure. yes. So you definitely do. So how much are you trying to coach them to be like, are, are you pushing to people to be overly opinionated and you, you want them to drive that sense of, because we all know that like that, that negativity or that, that, that type of, uh, I don't know, approach definitely produces a lot more engagement. So do you tell people, yeah, like just be yourself and let it fly? Or are you trying to get people to hold back and stay? No, you want to be a little bit more professional when you're delivering that? Or is that is that mm. industry or audience base? Like, is there anything there? 
Yeah, it, it can be, you know, it could be industry specific, but I'll say this. Um, I mean, yes, negativity can win. I don't think it wins in the long term. Uh, and second point on that is that I think what's more important is to be polarizing and, and in a positive way. In other words, like really knowing kind of what hill are you willing to die on? You know, what, who are your competitors out there? What's their idea that they're pushing into the market versus what's your idea and really refining the idea down until you have something that your competitors would disagree with, which makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But to me, like, how do you build a podcast audience where you're communicating an idea, but you're communicating an idea that all of your competitors would agree with? So a great example of this is like, you know, we've all seen the car commercials where quality is our number one priority. Well, you know, yeah, okay, great. Yeah, like you and everybody else. Explode. Yeah, you and everybody else, right? So, uh, so if, you, if you're saying something, if you're putting an idea into the market and it's not an idea your biggest competitors would disagree with you on, it's probably not sharp and clear enough to your audience, mm. which is also why they, you, you can put a podcast out there and nobody buys your stuff or signs up for coaching or consulting. And so, yeah, we, we've shifted, especially now that we're taking these lessons and we're really refining what makes a great podcast and how directly and closely it ties with the business behind the podcast yeah. and how, how closely those two things are linked. Yeah. We're shifting way more towards helping people with the strategy of what they say and how it creates demand for their service, not just building an audience. Sure. Uh, because believe me, like I know people who have built an audience and can't monetize it. And I mean, to the point of like selling things to pay bills and have tens of thousands of listeners. And that is wow. not a fun position to be in. And yeah. it's actually, you know, it's not that hard to do. If you're, not, if you're not careful with podcasting, you can end up with an audience that doesn't buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you, you mentioned Simon Sinek, and, and we're getting to wrap a little bit here. But so um, wh why podcasting for you? Like, what is it that made you so passionate about wanting to jump into this whole mix in the first place? And what sustains you to continue? It is, it's the conversations like what we're having. It, it's the, what, what really gets me up in the morning and even if I look at my calendar and go, ugh, you know what? Once I get through the calls, once I come out of the call, I go, that was a really awesome conversation. Yeah. Right. So that, that's really what puts kind of fuel back into the tank. Uh, and then on the, on the solo episode side, and part of why I'm, I'm excited about podcasting in general is I also enjoy the process of deciding how I'm going to lead my audience. And what they need to hear from me. So in other words, like I, I grew up in church, um, you know, for those that don't care, like this analogy will still apply to you. But I, I tend to look at things through that, that lens. Uh, and to me, having a podcast when you are the host is very similar to being the, the pastor of a church. Hmm. You can have some guest speakers, but the bottom line is your, your audience needs to hear from you. Uh, and that's the way I look at my podcast too, is I want to lead the people in the audience to a certain destination. And it's my job to give them a sermon, so to speak, yeah. that will equip them and empower them to go in the direction I want them to go to get them the result I want them to get. And so I, I do really enjoy and have begun even more to enjoy uh, those solo episodes. So it's a combination of those two things. It's, it's the high level conversations with really smart, awesome people, uh, and then the opportunity to lead a group of people to results. Yeah. That's awesome because I, it, as you answer, I mean, throughout our whole conversation, I can see the passion just in your face as you share the things that you do about 
uh, about this. And you can definitely tell the difference between what, when somebody's really fired up about making money for something. And that's mm -hmm. an extremely important thing. But mm -hmm. then there's also a different look that people have when they're really just passionate about something for the sake of being passionate about it and reasons by which you gave. And mm -hmm. so that is just, it shows through so much. So I, I love that and I appreciate that. And I want other people to see that. Uh, some won't be able to see this, you know, from a video perspective, but I want people to hear me say that because I think that's important. Yeah. Appreciate so, that. um, outside of that, uh, uh, I see sitting in the background and other people aren't going to be able to see this. You have a set of drums sitting back there. So I am a, oh, and a guitar uh, sitting on a stand back there. So <laughs> I am a, a, a newly found drum addict. So oh. is that something that you just play around with? Is it, I mean, do you take it seriously? You've been doing that a while. Uh, well, yes. So I, I got my first pair of drumsticks at the age of two. Wow. <laughs> so, I, I think I was out of diapers by that. I'm going to go, I'm going to, going to go ahead and claim I was out of diapers by the time I picked up drums, but it was pretty, it was pretty close. Um, yeah. And then bass, whether well, that's a seven string bass back there. And I picked up, there's a piano sitting over here too, all of which I gradually picked up over my, uh, over my childhood. Uh, what's funny is I spent about five years kind of chasing the dream. I was in four different bands. I made the same exact mistake, by the way, in music. I was in four different bands, uh, three of which never got out of the basement, so to speak. We we did the classic one gig and break up. Uh, so I've been through all of that. And, and what I found is that I loved the ideas and that's what led me to marketing. I taught myself just the tactical skills of marketing to promote my music. I've got a few albums under my belt and, and I'll come back to that. I'm going to release an album uh, later this year. Uh, so I need to get into the studio. That's actually one of my big projects that I laid out. I mentioned at the start of the year, one of them was my, was a, a tribute album that I'm working on. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I can't focus on that until the rough draft of the book is done. So I can't focus on that until at least June. And that, that's kind of where it fits into my world. But yeah, the answer is I'm working on getting it more integrated because for a while there, I went super deep into it and then threw it way back on the back burner while I built this company. Wow. And you said, I heard you say tribute album. Yes. So what's that a tribute to? Uh, it's a tribute to uh, Keith Green, whose music I grew up with. I'm right. So he's an American, or at least I know I'm free. That's uh, right? No, that's um, some, some of somebody else. Uh, Keith Green was a Christian songwriter, piano player in the late seventies, early eighties. Oh, he actually passed right. away the year I was, or the month I was born. So I was listening to his stuff in the womb and then all, all later on, he's the reason I picked up piano. I picked up piano to wow. learn his stuff. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to do like a, a tribute album to my favorite songs of, of his that'll be for like mature uh, Christians. Wow. And so yeah. do, you, do you play regularly like in a church worship environment? I've, I've experimented with it. The last time I did that was a couple of years ago and business okay. just kept picking up to the point where I didn't have time to do it. Uh, I would have time to basically sub in on drums and that's about all the mental and emotional bandwidth I have. So I do that from time to time. That's about it. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that's funny. Yeah. So I'm a glutton for punishment. So in addition to coaching and consulting, I have another business that I run and then I'm a pastor of a church and I also play drums now once a month for our church band because we have a small church and it's like, Hey, just keep throwing them at me because I'm just having so much fun. And then they all just come crashing down on me at once. <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, dude, that's exactly how my dad learned to play guitar. He started a church and then realized I have no worship leader. So he started playing guitar to lead worship and ended up doing both for years. Like that's, that's the environment I grew up in was, uh, was my dad both pastoring and being the worship leader. And holy cow, it's a lot of work.
Yeah, that's crazy. So I, I have not and would not take on playing drums and preaching on the same Sunday, though I right. have jumped out from behind the drums and led communion and led the church through communion on a Sunday. And that was the Sunday that I screwed up playing drums and probably did not lead well through communion. So, <laughs> so Focus, man. That. All comes back to focus. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, we're, we are wrapping. Um, I, I, I appreciate even that part of you because again, like I think that is just so telling of who you are and the passion by which you do the things that you do. Um, I want to make sure to put your contact information so people can reach out to you in the show notes. But if you had to prefer, what is the best way for people to reach out to you so you can just verbalize it to them? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pursuingresults.com, which is the home for our production agency. But then I mentioned the training where I, where I kind of recommend people start, which is to get pitched and uh, by, you know, on other podcasts to be a guest. So that's at pursuingresults.com slash training. And I just re-recorded that. It's an amazing training on how to get pitched, but also kind of tells you a little bit about the program that I built initially for myself and for clients. And then, and then I turn it into just a course that anybody can buy for their assistant. Uh, so yeah, if you have a team, if you have an intern or you have the ability to hire one, uh, you know, relatively quickly or whatever, which I have, you know, information in the course about that too. Uh, but if you want to get pitched consistently, that's where I would recommend to start before you even think about starting a podcast. And then, of course, if you do, if you've been doing that already and you want to start a podcast, then reach out to me that way through the through the site because my link for a consultation is there as well. Awesome. So, okay. So, pursuingresults.com. Uh, we'll make sure to link that in the show notes. Matt, I just, I want to tell you how much I appreciate. I took a, a challenge a bit on my side in scheduling to get to this place, but in a short amount of time, I mean, I've learned a ton uh, as to all the mistakes I'm making podcasting. So thank you. <laughs> uh, but also I think just so much encouragement that, you know, in, in finding the right people and aligning yourself with the right people and paying for things that matter, I think mm. we can have, you know, achieve great outcomes and results, which is really what we want to do in business. So thank you so much for taking the time and sharing so much. I feel like you've given thousands upon thousands of dollars of great wisdom and leadership in, in this space, you know, in just a short amount of time. So thank you so much. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. It was a blast. Awesome, man. Well, guys, this wraps up another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast. So as always, we will make sure to insert uh, Matt's contact information into the show notes. You can reach out to him directly. I'm also happy to receive any feedback from you may have as it relates to this podcast episode, specifically the podcast in general, or anything else that you just want to share with me, good, bad, or indifferent. So once again, thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Excellence Mindset with Ryan James Miller. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit ryanjamesmiller.com. We'll catch you next time.